Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all of those amazing reality shows that unfortunately only had one season. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And we're back, y'all. After a very long hiatus, we are back and in it to win it. We are going to be discussing high society, which neither of us had seen before. And boy, oh boy, are we in for a ride. Oh, my God. Oh, God. (laughs) I think I said that several times throughout the episode, and the episode was only 20 minutes long. It was shocking. And for any of you out there who want to watch along with us, um, you can watch it totally for free on YouTube. And the name of the YouTube channel that has it is Guy Douglas, all one word, G-U-I-D-O-U-G-L-A-S. And he has all eight episodes listed, no commercials. The picture quality is not super great. And so I did try to see if I could buy it, but you can't. Like, it's the only place to watch it. So if you want to follow along, you can for free at Guy Douglas's YouTube channel. Yeah, I tried to buy it, too, just for better picture quality for Instagram, but it's not going to happen. So we'll see what we'll we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I feel like it's been six months, which is horrifying. I don't even have any house cleaning. It's amazing that I remember how to podcast. Uh, Same thing. I'm shocked (laughs) that I remembered our intro. (laughs) Looked like it took a second to catch up to you. Well, no, because I couldn't tell when you started recording. I tried to give you a thumbs up. Maybe you couldn't see me. <laughs> well, you just you disappeared for a minute you, and then came back. And then I think that's when it so. But we're good. Yeah, I got um, it now. Uh, so the other thing that we should probably tell, well, the little bit of house cleaning we do have is that everyone needs to immediately, as soon as you stop listening to this podcast, go watch the Bling Ring documentary on Netflix. Yes, it's really good. It's really good. I finished it last night. Meredith is still has to finish the third episode. Um, it's well worth watching. I am very sad about Alexis's face. She has had a lot of filler, like a lot of filler. Yeah. Are there only three episodes total? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I blew it. Okay. I've, I'm like halfway through episode three. I should have tried to finish that before we recorded. I'm finding yeah, the dynamic. I'm finding the dynamics between Alexis's retelling and Nick Prugo's retelling very interesting. I believe Alexis. I think Nick Prugo is a trash monster, like a human raccoon. I hate him. Yeah, I do. I flip flop on a few things, but we can we'll discuss that in more detail when I actually finish. Of course, I only okay. have like I have like 20 minutes left. Um, the other thing that I have found interesting is that Andrea is, I mean, she was even more out there than we thought. Um, Yes, and they, I mean, you'll see this at the end, and we already knew this from our podcast, but she is still a life coach. (laughs) Great, good. (laughs) That is her job. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think Alexis also talks about all the things that her mother, like, pushed her and Tess into to be famous and that kind of stuff, and I had assumed that, but to also hear about it so overtly just... It gave me the icks a little bit. Well, what bummed me out is I thought Alexis and Tess had reconnected because they did the podcast together. I thought they had repaired their relationship, but this documentary makes it seem like that's not the case. Right. There's a disclaimer that says like Tess still maintains that certain things didn't happen or did happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I I found that sad too. Um, And I I don't know... 
I don't think Alexis is married anymore. Oh, I haven't looked in a while. I can right now. Well, because when they talk about, like, so they do their, you know, at the end, like, where they are now kind of thing. Um, it talks about how Nick is married, but it just says Alexis lives with her two children. And it says nothing about being married. Oh, which okay. Which be really sad because I was happy for her. And she, like, her husband was, she met him in recovery and he was older and ran the recovery site. Like, I was, I was hoping that they made it. Oh, it does. She went back to her maiden name on Instagram, even though her handle is still his last name. And he has not been pictured for quite some time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they broke up. Yeah, his the last picture of him is June of 2021. Yeah, they're no longer together. But she made a big announcement about how they were having an open marriage and that she was bisexual and all that. Because we talked about that. Um. Well, maybe the openness did not work. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been a while. Oh, wait, he put out a statement. Let's see. Mm, no, I don't know. But yeah, I don't think they're together anymore. Um, but I'm also, her. yeah, I'm, I love her. Like Pretty Wild is probably one of my favorite shows that we've done. And I'm glad that they got Gabby involved too. Yeah, I did not realize um, that, I didn't think Gabby was on drugs. Um, but she sure was. <laughs> she sure was. And she was going out with them a lot. Yeah. 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 So, was. But you all should watch it. It was really good. It was really, really good. I watched all three episodes in a row. Yeah. I mean, I watched the first two and then I just got tired and I didn't have time for three. And I tried to finish it today and didn't have time. But it's very good. So Also, I want to know how the fuck I did a lot of Googling on Nick because I'm dying to know like how he has money. Because he's wearing a very expensive Rolex. In his confessionals. I am thrilled that he's fucking bald and can't appear without a hat, which is delicious. Um, but <laughs> he, because he's been married for five years, which means he got married at 26. And um, he and his husband operate some kind of online business that I couldn't find. So I wonder if it's porn. Oh, maybe. Um, do you also want to talk about how Perez Hilton looks in this documentary? You guys. You <laughs> guys. Um, Perez Hilton looks exactly like the cartoon version of Bilbo Baggins from the 70s from the Lord of the Rings cartoon movie. He looks 60 years old. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I mean, he was never like an attractive dude, but like he looks 20 years older than he actually is. I look, he's 44. He looks way older. He looks absolutely terrible. I thought his whole thing now was that he was on this fitness journey with getting in super shape, and I, I thought it was his whole jam. He is, I mean, not to body shame, but I have the same body, so I'm allowed to. He looks like a fucking sack of potatoes, like a lumpy sack of potatoes with a wrinkly old apple doll face. It did, I will say every time he is interviewed, like in the, like the interview style for this documentary, I just couldn't help but think like, wow, if I'm ever interviewed on camera like that, I'm going to wear solid black and I'm going to sit up so straight, I'm gonna look like a member of the military. Because I have bad oh. posture and I feel like it's the fastest way to look elongated is to just give myself a back cramp and sit up straight. A hundred percent. And I also am not great at, um, uh, my posture is terrible. Like I lay down all the time. I always want to hunch my back. So I get like where that's coming from. But again, like you're going to be on fucking TV. All right. I'm right now sending you the image of Bilbo. Okay. Thanks. Um, so check your phone. 
Um, and tell me I'm not right. Okay. I'm going to look right now. So, uh, yeah, he looks terrible. Like, absolutely terrible. And he should be embarrassed. Like, his hair is awful. Like, everything oh. about him is awful. I'm sorry. I just snorted. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this animated Bilbo Baggins. Wow. Um, it's going to occur to me who this Bilbo Baggins looks like to me. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm getting it. Um, <laughs> there's that. Um, also, Andrea, though, looks incredible. Amazing. She looks amazing. She looks the best out of everybody. And they discuss how much money she spent on, like, skincare and lasers and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to go ahead and say it paid off. And you guys will be happy to know she's still making vision boards. She is. Yeah, she shows yeah. one off. Yeah. And my favorite thing, and I did text you about this last night. Um, I thought they were into the book, The Secret. Oh, no, 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 no. It was the movie. This like couldn't even bother to read the book. They were obsessed with the movie The Secret and basically joined a cult that like revolved around the movie The Secret. And Gabby says that when she got in trouble and was grounded for a whole summer, the only thing she was allowed to do was to watch the secret movie on repeat. Horrifying. Horrifying. Talk about brainwashing. Yeah, I know, right? Well, my dog's gonna bark. She was sound asleep, and now that we pressed record, she's gonna bark, so. FYI, okay. everybody. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a total non sequitur, but it's absolutely worth watching. And I feel like once I finish, we'll do a deeper dive in our next episode, I think. For sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so now we can delve into episode one of High Society, which is labeled She's Flying Solo. Yes. And this show originally aired in 2010. March 10th of 2010. Right. And so I think we can safely assume that it was sort of filmed. It looks like it was like fall of 2009-ish or maybe into early 2010. Um, so I am going to be doing a profile of everybody as we often do. Um, and the first one, which I didn't have as much time to research as I wanted to. So it might be sort of a two-parter if we find out more as we watch the show. But the first snob story is what I'm calling them because they're all these people oh oh boy um they're rough so the first one is Paul Reed Johnson Calderon um and I am going to try and go in order of the cast as they were presented I'm skipping Tinsley for now I feel like we all kind of know what Tinsley's up to for right now so we'll do the more obscure people um so PJC as he's known in this show and I got his initials wrong the entire time in my notes. So we'll see how that goes for us. Also, um, quick aside, I love that he claims that everyone calls him PJC and not a single person called him that in the entire episode. Not once. No, they call him Paul. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul was raised in Maine and Northampton, Massachusetts, and then eventually spent some time living in Berkeley but he came back to the East coast and went to boarding school at Deerfield Academy. um, And he graduated in 2003. So my youngest sister went to Deerfield. I don't even think she lasted a year. I think she lasted a semester and was like, I hate the kids here. I'm coming back. So little aside there, I wonder if she still remembers any of these people I should ask because he would be um, only one year different. So then maybe, She might, but that would be such a deep dive for her. And it's probably something she is 
doesn't want to remember. So, but anyway, he went on to attend Trinity College and then I guess transferred to Sarah Lawrence. However, his LinkedIn profile says that he was at Trinity College Hartford, which not to sound like an East Coast collegiate snob, I believe they are very different in more ways than one. Um, And it says that he was there from 2003 to 2006 and majored in art history. So from the sounds of that, he only did one year possibly at Sarah Lawrence. And I feel like transferring as a senior is at that point kind of a wasted effort. But well, no, I bet what he did. So I used to have this friend. Um, she was a bartender, so she didn't do much with her degree. But um, she went to University of Maryland for three years and then transferred to Harvard for her finally final year. So she wouldn't have to pay the full Harvard tuition, but she could still have Harvard on her diploma. And I bet he did the same fucking thing with Sarah Lawrence. Oh, yeah, there you go. That sounds like something uh, Paul would do. Um, so... I don't know that much about him and I do know some of what he's doing now, but that's kind of what I want to get at more in a future profile. But he did go on to work for Lauren Davis at Vogue for a short time. And she's sort of a presence at Vogue. Um, And he also was a writer at paper magazine. So, you know, he was pretty young. I don't know how much of a big deal he was at either of these publications, but I think when he went out as a person with some money and he was throwing around that those are the places that he did work for, I'm sure it opened some doors for him or got him into parties or, you know, whatever, along with his money. Um, so as mentioned in this episode, and we will cover it, obviously, but this is a bit more detail Paul is referred to as a klepto throughout this episode. And oh, he, yes. He was, what does he call himself? Something bad boy of page six or something like that. Um, So in March of 2009, Paul was caught on video at the Eldridge nightclub with the handbag of someone. It belonged to an off-duty hostess at the club. So he admitted to taking it, but then said he lost it and offered the hostess a cash payment. So I'm guessing they knew each other because then it said the article said that she withheld his passport and house keys and said, like, I'm going to hold on to these until you at least give me five hundred dollars of the five thousand you owe me. But then Paul told page six that the accusations were false. (laughs) Um, I don't think they're false. No, they weren't false because he was pictured with the bag and leaving with it. And the Eldridge nightclub commented and was sort of like, we don't want to comment on this. It's been resolved. And then in the page six article, Jules Kirby, who we also meet and is a cast member of this show, she decided to comment on the article. um, Well, Paul also stole my Blackberry at a party once. So she kind of piled on to the press attention that he was already getting for this. So that explains a bit of their dynamic. Then in November of 2009, so, you know, eight months later, he was caught on camera again, breaking sconces in the hallway of a friend's apartment building. So he got charged with like some vandalism charges. And he said, and I quote, it's not like rock stars don't vandalize hotel rooms and such all the time. I seriously don't understand the huge deal. I messed up and I'm dealing with it. So, you know, real apologetic. Yeah. So then after filming High Society, so we have now 
been written up in page six for several not great things. He says in high society that he has been to rehab. But then in 2011, he was arrested for allegedly breaking into the Pi Kappa Alpha frat house on the campus of the University of Massachusetts. Yeah. So that means he was 26 or 27 years old at the time. No, I, I, I could not find any context for this news item. Why was he there? What were they looking for? Why was he on a university campus? Why was he breaking into a fraternity on top of it? I have no idea. If no I idea. had to make an educated guess, I would say that he was probably banging some frat guy and the frat guy was like, get the fuck, or I mean, not even banging, maybe he just had the hots for him. And the frat guy was like, get the fuck out of here. You know, I don't want to see you anymore. And he came back later that night and tried to break into the frat house and get to this dude. I know. I just find it so interesting, though, that I should have looked up what time of year he was arrested. Like, I wonder if he was home visiting family or something, because it's like, he's this high society, you know, renting suites, blowing all this money in New York type of dude. But he's chasing like a college student. And it's not like UMass is in Boston. So it's just kind of random. I don't know. It, it's very strange. Um, so as I mentioned, he did openly discuss his visits to rehab and has sort of spoken to it in interviews since. He's been twice, I believe. At least that's what he says in this show. And that was the most recent article I found. The first time is when he was pretty young. And he basically said that like it was like a joke. Like he would get out of a program and just resume drinking immediately after. And then I think further into adulthood, he actually did get sober. Don't um, don't don't quote me on that. This is going to have to be a part two. I can quote you on that because I was doing a little bit of a deep dive into him myself. Um, uh, in, allegedly in 2013, he went to like a mega rehab program and has allegedly been sober since from everything that I could see. OK, yep. I forget the name of that one. It had like an acronym name, like reach or trust or. Yes, something. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Um, so what I find interesting is that there's not much of his career to speak of because he's been at the same job for 11 years. And Which is a pretty scandalous job. It is a pretty scandalous job. He is the director of social media for Dumois.com. Mm-hmm. Which totally tracks. Totally tracks. What I find interesting, and I should have just looked, do they have a website? I don't even go to their website. Well, the thing I found said that he used to write for them. And then I yeah. guess became director of, I mean, maybe he just runs the Instagram. I mean, I would imagine given how much they post and how much many like quote unquote tips they're sent. Now there has to be a whole team of people who are doing that. There's no way it's just one person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what he's up to now. Um, I've seen some pictures of him floating around. He pretty much looks the same, to be honest. Like I didn't, there's nothing noteworthy going on there, but I just feel like what I wanted to know more about were the alleged break in. And I also want to know where his family money comes from. And I didn't, I couldn't find that. And we do meet his mother in this first episode, but I didn't write down her name like an idiot. So I kind of want to see if I can find information. Okay. I want to find information via her if I can. So, but that's snob story. Number one, part one. (laughs) Um, Her name is Melissa Johnson, Michael. Okay. All right. And, and I believe the money comes from her. 
her family because she says at some point something about her grand his grandfather. I would think she's like so. Your yeah. grandfather. So and the fact that she's so they both have Johnson as the, like I'm sure Johnson is the name. I'm sure it was her maiden name. Yep. Well, maybe it's Johnson and Johnson. Maybe he's related to Casey Johnson. <laughs> that would be scandalous. I know, but wouldn't he be saying that left and right if that were the oh, case? Of course. I'm kidding. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But are you ready to dive into this very fast-paced 20-minute show? <laughs> yes. Now, should we go over the cast Was they list them, or should we yeah. just wait until they're introduced? So we've got Tinsley Mortimer, um, Jules Kirby, PJ C, um, Dabney Mercer, Dale Mercer, and shocker, I was surprised to see Devorah Rose, who I guess she got such a taste of fame doing NYC prep that she wanted to be on her own reality show. Which one was first? NYC prep was first. I looked it up. It okay. aired in 2009. So okay. she did NYC prep first. And then we get Alex or Alexandra, depending on how you want to refer to her. And I can't pronounce her last name. Asapow? Oh, yeah. Asapow. Asapow. Yep. So, so that is our cast. Yes. Um, so this show is very fast moving. It's not quite like, I can't, it's almost like a movie montage <laughs> in 20 yeah. minutes. Like it is, it is difficult to take notes on. It was also, I wanted a commercial break to catch up with my thoughts and there isn't one when you watch it on YouTube. Um, so there's also some weird narration. Tinsley's sort of guiding us through some of this stuff, even though it's very self-evident, like we don't need her narration whatsoever. <laughs> so she introduces this episode as saying, the world is not as perfect as it seems. It's very profound. So this is the first time Tinsley has ever been single, which is, I'm guessing, the crux of this flying solo that we're getting. Um, And we know from Beverly Hill, I mean, I'm sorry, from New York Housewives that she and Topper have been an item since high school. Right. Okay. So she is, how old is she at the beginning of this show? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe like like 30, early 30s? Um, I would say probably, so this show was 12 years ago. I think she's in her mid to late 40s, so I would think mid 30s. I'll look it up really fast. Okay. Um, how and old is Tinsley Mortimer? According <laughs> she's to 47. She's only two years um, younger than me. Okay, so she was 35. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, and so I gave up Housewives couple of years ago. And I just don't remember that much about Tinsley and Topper. Do we know why they separated? Do we know more about that? Um, I believe I, I'd have to go back and watch because it's been a few years. But I, I feel like the narrative was kind of what she was saying in this episode about his family not being happy that she was in the public eye, mixed with the fact that they had been together since high school. And they were now in their mid thirties and you know, people change. Yeah. And they're okay. friends now. Like they were in New York, like housewives, she and he were friends. Like they, we never saw them on camera, but they got past the divorce and maintained a friendship. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, so anyway, this is her first time ever single. She's getting a new apartment and she is on her own. Um, so she's moving out of this gorgeous place, I guess. They, it's not my style, but gorgeous, you know, by 
<laughs> by their high society standards on the Upper East Side. Um, and so she's making a clean start. And her friend Alex is her best friend and is helping her get back on track. Yes. And two minutes into the episode is when I screamed for the first time. <laughs> so they go to a Marquesa event, which Marquesa was obviously the designer that designer brand that um, Georgina Chapman designed for, owned, is the designer of, I don't even know. And she was married to Harvey Weinstein. And yeah. Tinsley goes on and on about how much she loves Harvey Weinstein and says, quote, he's great. Yeah. So that's, that's, I feel like that just sets the course for the rest of this show. Like two minutes in, we're talking about how great Harvey Weinstein is, you guys. <laughs> um, and so she then in the voiceover says, you know, this is the first event that she's been going to since her separating, since her separation. And all in all, she's pretty lucky. So how did she end up like this? And then it cuts to a shot of her sobbing on a bed. Yes. And green chucks, no less. Yeah. And also, like, not for nothing, but she's clearly crying on a bed in some gorgeous apartment. Like, that looks pretty cushy compared to what some people cry over. So just putting that oh, out Oh, yeah. There. She's calling. She's crying in her multi-million dollar loft in Midtown. Yeah. I actually think it was a shot of, I think we see it later. It's when she's moving out of her and Topper's apartment and she's crying as she's packing up her furniture. Oh, I thought she wasn't crying until she got back to the new place. It looked like her old one. Um, but and I totally get that. That is very sad. It's not that I don't have sympathy for her, but you know, some of the uh narration is a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> um yeah. so this is where we learned out learned that she was married to Topper Mortimer, which is the like whitest name that we'll just ever exist I feel like well it's not even his name it's a nickname so that's why I thought it was really annoying when her mother was like they have the same initials I'm like no his nickname has the same initials as her but his real name is like Andrew or something right he's topper because is he the third is it kind of like when they call people trip no oh I think it's just like a snotty nickname okay I don't know. Just I don't know what these people do. Um, so she was married to Topper, and it, was it his father or grandfather who was a president of Standard Oil? Grandfather, I believe. Okay. Um, so she had the perfect apartment and designer clothes, and she had a line of handbags. Um, okay, we need to talk about this line of handbags because yes, let's do it. This was a moment in time when fucking everyone had a line of handbags. Yes. I mean, at one point, I think Monica Lewinsky had a line of handbags. Jerry Seinfeld's wife had a line of hand. Like, everyone had a fucking, like, if you were a socialite and had a little of money, you started a handbag line. So I, she designed for Samantha Tawasa, T-H-A-W-A-S-A. It's not her brand. So she was designing, designing for this brand. So I did a little bit of a deep dive. And um, her bags were popular and sold, but only in Japan. <laughs> right so she was like real big in japan and you can it's interesting because i was trying to google like you can't even find the website for this company in the u.s anymore and if you find their bags that you can buy them on ebay and other places like that but it doesn't like i, I don't know where you'd buy tinsley's like there are some listed but they're from like 2017 or 20 like i couldn't find anyone from her year to even establish a price point 
It doesn't surprise me at all. Um, so then she also explains that the red carpet appearances was what she wanted the world to see, but the real story wasn't as perfect. And she recently filed for divorce. Um, and she says that Topper's family hated that she was getting photographed all the time. And that, you know, in old high society, you're only in the paper when you're born, you get married or you die. Yeah. And it put a lot of pressure on her marriage. I think another part of Tinsley's issue to this day is that, and we see a little bit of this with Dale later, but even she initiated the divorce, she left him. And I think she really grew to regret it. Like, I think she wished she had never divorced him. She's yeah. kind of like Vicki Gumbelson in that sense, but, uh, and Dawn. So I think that she, if she had to do it all over again, I don't think she would have left him. Right. The grass was greener. I think she like, she was going out all the time. And then when she went home, she was being treated like a wild child. And I think she was kind of like, well, fine, I'll just go, you know, I'll find someone else who's great, who lets me be me. And it's not that I, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember enough about Tinsley as a housewife, but I do feel like she never, she chose the divorce and never recovered from it. No. And I mean, one thing people who do remember her from being a housewife, anyone who's listening, is that she all she cared, wanted to, to be again was married. And that's how she ended up with that gross coupon king motherfucker. They never got married, right, Scott? No, he was cheating on her and left her. Oh. Yeah. Well. Okay. And I think... I mean, how do you go from Topper Mortimer to a German prince to the fucking coupon king? I mean, bleh. So we'll get to the German prince of it all, too, because I was curious about that when it comes to her separation and all that, too. Um, so anyway, after we learn all about her marriage to Topper, we go, is it the Gerard showcase? Is that what it was called? Uh, you mean the fashion show thing? Yeah, where she's just sitting on the couch with Robert Verdi. Uh, I don't remember, but he was a blast from the past. I wonder, if was, is he still doing fashion stuff? Because he was I, so of the moment. Like, you couldn't turn the TV on in the early 2000s without seeing his face. I know. I'm trying to... Was he on, like, America's Next Top Model sometimes or something? I remember him from E. Like, he was on... Okay. Some, like, bro, like I, he was on Joan Rivers' um, okay. fashion show. Like, he was he was a talking head for all kinds of fashion stuff. Okay. No, I recognized him instantly, and then I couldn't remember quite from where, other than I was like, oh, that guy. Um, so he was a celebrity stylist at the time. Um, but like Frank said, he was also just like an on TV personality. I think he probably did some red carpet shows sometimes or something like that. Um, and of course, he asks her about her handbag um, and she says that it's one of hers. And then he wants to see her showroom. LOL. I don't think she has one. Um, no. And then he says, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Your girlfriend should also be carrying one of your handbags. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No. Um, and then we get a quick aside to talk about her sister, Dabney. And she says, Dabney's one of the only people I trust. And I work on the handbags with her. And that's it. <laughs> well, and it's, I think she actually said that she works for me. Uh, okay. Yeah. I believe the dynamic is that she is Tinsley's employee. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, yikes okay. is correct. Okay. So then we get the timestamp of Friday. So was that, are we supposed to think that was Thursday before? Like I, did, or did the Friday uh, come out of nowhere? I, the Friday kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. Um, so then we see PJC, Paul. I just have to call him Paul. Um, and his friend Malik So Chic. 
I know Malik Sochik. You do? I mean, not really, but he, so I have an old friend who is a big club promoter in New York, and I have been, back in the day, in the same room with Malik Sochik. <laughs> and yes. I double-checked and went on Facebook. To, so my friend's name is Mother Juan Aviance. She's the mother of the House of Aviance. And um, I went to his Facebook to check and see, and he and Malik Sashik are still Facebook friends, so I'm sure they're still turning it out. But I know that he does a he does a party called Birdcage, um, and I think Malik might be one of the promoters for it. So, uh, okay, you're so cool. You know everybody. No, I um, used to be cool. Now I'd never leave the house. <laughs> I feel like leaving the house is both under and overrated at the same time. <laughs> Hundo. <laughs> um, so. This is where we also learned that Paul dated Tinsley's brother-in-law. Okay, I did the deepest dive into this. Do you want to know everything? Yes, good for you. Yes, tell me everything. Okay, and it's going to tie back to his... I didn't want to interrupt you when you were doing the um, snob story because it ties back to Paper Magazine. So, Tinsley's brother-in-law is Peter Davis, and Peter Davis is Topper's half-brother, half-older brother. So... Topper's mother was married before she was married to Topper's father. And so Peter is older. He's like in his early 50s now. Peter Davis is a gay, you know, New York socialite uh, magazine editor. So he originally um, worked at this magazine called um, Avenue that is so exclusive you can't buy it. They just like put it in upscale apartment condo buildings on the Upper East Side. So he worked at Avenue for a couple years, and then he started Paper Magazine. Aha. Okay. Which I'm sure is how Paul got his job. Yeah. Um, He now currently is um, back at Avenue Magazine as of, like, 2022, and he's now editor-in-chief or, like, head whatever the fuck. So he's back at Avenue. Question. Peter Davis, you said, was his name? Uh Uh-huh. Lauren Davis, the editor at Vogue that Paul also worked for, are they siblings? No, they're not. The okay. other so there's three siblings. There's his only sibling. He was an only child until his mom married Topper. And so it's Topper. And they do have a sister, but her name's like Minnie or something. It's not. <laughs> well, because at first I was like, it, it's got to be. I was like, Topper must have a gay brother. And so when you look, Paul, does, Peter doesn't show up. Okay. Because, and so I had to figure out, like, I then as I, like, if you go to first at Wikipedia, it only lists the sister. And I'm like, this makes no fucking sense. So I had to really deep dive in and figure out he's a half-brother. He's older. He and Tinsley are still friends because you can find pictures of them from, like, six months ago together at parties and stuff in New York. But, yes, so I believe that Paul has just, like, fucked his way into any and all jobs. And, and Peter is considerably older than him. Like, there was a huge age difference. And while he's not an unattractive gentleman, there's nothing. He's just average. So Paul was definitely with him for the money and the clout and the whatever. Okay. And Paul does call him the love of his life. I think he says it twice in the episode. I think so. No. So what he says is he dated Tinsley's brother-in-law. But then when he's talking about Jules, he repeatedly says that she broke him up with the love of his life but never says it's the brother-in-law. So I was wondering oh. if it's the same person or not. Oh, okay. I don't know. Man, I'm that's good, though. That. 
And also, do you really think that, like, Tinsley and Darcy would remain really good friends with him if he had, like, cheated on or whatever to the, the brother-in-law? Like, I mean, Tinsley and that Peter are still friends, so... Yeah. I feel like they would be keeping him at a distance. And actually, in one of the articles I found, High Society wanted Peter to be a cast member. Oh. And he turned them down. He was also asked to be a cast member on The City. Um, he was, I mean, like, there's the, a, a New York Housewives. Like, there's a whole list of things he claims he was asked to be a cast member on that he said no. Oh, good for him, though. I'm still, I'm going to do a deep dive on him and Lauren Davis and see if there's some weird familial connection, because now I want to know how Paul got a job at Vogue. <laughs> you definitely, I mean, for sure. And, like, I only had, I didn't have a ton of time to do this. And so I'm sure there's way more that I didn't get into. Mm-hmm. And maybe he does have a full sibling from the first marriage. I don't know. I just didn't see her listed. So, or, or you know, just... maybe they're cousins or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is good. I like it. So Paul, so he used to date Tinsley's brother-in-law. He used to work for Vogue, so he says. And he said his nickname is the king of the bad boys. Bad guys. I'm okay. sure that's a page six derived nickname. Probably. This is where he says he's been to rehab twice, but he does whatever he wants. And he admits that he's coming off a big page six scandal related to him stealing a purse. And he looks thrilled because he says he was compared to Winona Ryder. And And, he says it's his Paris Hilton sex tape. Yeah. Yep. Not the same thing, dude. No, not at all. Having your boyfriend leak a sex tape of you or leak it yourself, whatever, to the press is not the same as stealing someone's property and getting caught in a security cam. Like, not the same. The Winona reference, sure. Yeah, that's the same. But no, just no. Right. So then he goes to this party with Malik Soshik and we see him making out with this guy for a while. And then they get back in the limo and I don't have much to say about it other than they're just, they seem wasted and he like throws a can out the window. He just exhibits more disgusting fucking behavior. Yeah. And like he's, he acts like I acted when I was in high school and he's not in fucking high school. Like it's gross. Um, he does remind me a little bit of a certain mutual friend of ours. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. Also wears bow ties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. And he also was yelling at the limo driver. And I'm just, I'm not here for that. Like that guy's working too. Just relax. So then we meet Jules Kirby. And Oh, wait, he yells at the limo driver this time, too? Because he yells at the limo driver later as well. Oh, no, you're right. It's later when he's with his female friend. Oh, okay. I was like, he's a fucking monster. Yeah, okay. So we meet Jules Kirby, and she kind of reminded me of Jesse from NYC Prep, grown up. Oh, Jesse's not that horrible. No, no, no. I meant, I I wasn't finished, but Jesse actually, like, has a soul. Yeah, I was going to say not... Well, I mean, he kind of reminds me of um, PJ. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if they... It's basically like them grown up if they went down a very dark road. 100%. That I totally see. That I totally see. So she... They also just, like... I think it's the blonde hair and, like, the face or whatever. But she says that she's smart and pretty. And she has no sensor button. And people are jealous of her. 
She has houses around the world. She lists all the cities where the houses are, and I didn't write them down because I was already annoyed with her. Oh, and, it was um, New York, L.A., Thailand, London. I'm forgetting a couple, but yeah, a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and she has a huge trust fund, and she's moved into the Empire Hotel. And this is where I screamed for the second time. And she says that her friends aren't often homosexual, fat, or Jewish. Um, oh, no, she doesn't say often. She says they aren't. Okay. Okay. Um, and then she also says, or black guys. And she says that she uses the N-word sometimes and thinks it should be okay to say. And then they edit that into her saying her dream job is to work for the United you Nations. I almost peed my pants. I almost peed my pants too. So hard. But I was screaming from her previous sentence. Screaming. Yeah. Well, what I thought was very interesting when PJC is talking about her, when Paul's talking about her, he says some people are impressed because they think she has a huge trust fund. He says thinks. Oh, gotcha. Which I thought was very interesting. Okay. And I'm wondering if it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. Because I also think it's interesting that she and Dabney are sharing a room at the Empire Hotel. I know. Why would you have your own fucking room? Right. And what's interesting is that she says she's not friends with gay dudes, but her and Paul were once friends, no? Hmm? Well, he's gay and black. So whammy whammy for her. Like, no wonder she fucking hates him. Also, her fucking loss. She's she's rough. I don't know who's going to be the roughest yet, but that I'm pinning it on her as of right now. I I am shocked that this aired only 12 years ago. Yes. And that she wasn't literally set on fire in the middle of Times Square. Like the, it's insane that she wasn't beyond canceled. And so, that the show even continued. My husband asked me he said, how did Tinsley then go on to land on Bravo? And I was like, well, Tinsley's not the one who said it. And he was like, yeah, but she is the company she keeps. And that was on television. And I was like, that is, I don't know. Maybe Bravo had a really low bar at the time. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I guess we'll see going forward. Maybe they end up not being friends, you know, because she seems to be more um, Darcy's friend or Dabney's friend, I'm sorry, than Tinsley's friend. Yes. So on that note, we get the scene of her Jules and Dabney in the Empire Hotel. Um, and Dabney is saying that it's very difficult to live with Jules. And Jules is just sort of like screaming nonsensically into the phone. Are they talking to like the concierge or like the manager? So it's 2.12 in the morning. 2.12 okay. a.m. because we got a timestamp. And she wants to talk to the manager and I believe the manager is then put on the phone. I don't know where they dug him or her up at 2 a.m. And she's being horrible. Horrible. I mean, it's saying we're in a recession. Like, your job should go to somebody who actually is good at work. Like, you suck. Like, you're terrible at your job. I mean, she's just a monster. And then she throws the phone. And here's what I'm thinking. And this is why I'm wondering about the possible huge trust fund. Uh, Dabney is freaking out and is like, you have to apologize. You have, this is not, we're going to get kicked out of the hotel. Like you have to say something or they're going to kick us out of the hotel. But that makes me think that the hotel was in um, Dabney's name. Probably. The room. And they were yeah. in Dabney's room and Dabney was paying for it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. 
It's bad. It's real. I mean, this girl is a fucking monster. Like, I mean, she, when she walks down the street, people should throw rocks at her. Like, that's how horrible she is. Like, she is. She has no redeeming qualities. Yeah, but then she's I'm, a racist, anti-Semite, homophobe, entitled. I mean, like, she's everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, so me comparing her to Jesse is very unfair. But like I said, Jesse, if Jesse went down a horribly wrong road, um, so yeah. there you go. I, I'll I'll course correct that slightly. So then we get another timestamp, and it is now Saturday. Yes. And Paul meets his mother at the Russian tea room. Yep. So vintage. Always reminds me of the movie Tootsie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so his mother says that she's very proud of his progress. And she says that she's confident that when he goes out, he only has like one drink. My favorite thing on earth is delusional parents who, or even spouses, who think that once their person goes to rehab, that they can come back and still drink, but just not to excess. Yeah. It's not great. No. Yeah. And she says she wants him to meet someone like Anderson Cooper. Can you even fucking imagine? No. I can't even imagine them in the same room together. They probably have been, but Anderson was probably on his way out. Um, now, I could see him with Andy Cohen. Yeah, there you go. I We should also point out, I don't know when he said it in the episode, but I think he said it in the limo, and I just didn't care to write it down, <clears throat> that Paul really wants a family. He says that several times throughout this episode. Like, he wants to settle down. He wants to have a oh, family. He says it, um, like, let's see. I wrote it down because it made me laugh so hard. Um, he says it way later in the episode. Oh, okay. And he says, it's when he's at, um, Apotheke. Okay. Um, and he says, my goal in life, other than to be popular and cool. That's right. To have a husband and a family. So priorities. Right. It goes popular, cool, then husband. Right. So then he just full out asks his mother at the Russian tea room for $50,000 because he wants his own apartment. And I want to know what that means. Like he wants to buy an apartment. Like what's his current living situation. I need more information. Me too. I couldn't tell whether it was like a deposit to get into some swish like building that he wants to, or whether it was a down payment for an apartment. And then I got very confused later because well, we'll get there, but like it doesn't. Because fifty thousand seems like a weird number. Like that's not twenty percent of some fancy apartment in Miami at all in Manhattan. I mean, it's not two hundred fifty thousand dollar apartment. Um, so I wondered if it was like brokers' fees and stuff for a rental. I, like it, it was. I was confused. I don't know. Part of me was wondering if like certain buildings on the Upper East Side have like this weird. You can rent there, but you have to have a certain savings or like I have no idea. Um, well, I also wonder with what transpired is if it was all a lie and he didn't want an apartment at all. Yes. And exactly. he just wanted money. Right. So his mother says, you have no idea how much money you're running through. You've gone through $200,000. And he says, am I having tea with Mussolini? That <laughs> <Which> actually <laughs> made me laugh. Um, and she said, how do you think your grandfather built wealth? Like, she's basically trying to tell him, like, you're in a privileged position. You have to learn how to save it or else there's not going to be any more of it someday. But that doesn't that's not where the conversation goes whatsoever. No. So 
Then we cut to Dale, more uh, not Mortimer, um, Dale Mercer. Mercer, Mercer. Thank you. Um, she's coming over to see Tinsley's new apartment, and she's very upset with Tinsley right now due to the divorce. And she hates Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> oh, does she ever? She said, when I go to Midtown to see Tinsley's new apartment, I can't help but think, what are you What are you thinking living here? It's pretty good. The interesting thing about Dale, too, is her accent is way less pronounced on this show than when she would guest star on Housewives. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We also need to talk about this apartment in Midtown because it is massive and beautiful. But I want like all are we just is it literally one room or are we only seeing the living room loft space? Is there a bedroom? Like I didn't see any other doors. Like I I mean obviously there's a bathroom somewhere, but I I was very confused. Like I hope like going forward we get to see more of the layout. We saw a little, there's like a little kitchen, but it almost looked like an office space with a little kitchen. Like it was pretty empty looking, but it was a huge space. Yeah. Um, and so this is where Dale says that she's like upset about Tinsley's separation from Topper and says their initials were even the same. Oh, well, isn't that sad? Someone's going to have to get new towels. Oh God. You know, like it's just so stupid. Um, so then Tinsley and her mom sort of get into it about the separation. And she says to her mom, you're only listening to Topper. And then she says, you've lost your mind and you sound stupid. And this is also where we find out that Tinsley is dating Casimir, a German yes, I, prince. I looked him up. Okay. And what'd you find out? Um, he got married in 2017. It was either 2017 or 2019. Um, and he seems like a very nice, normal stand-up guy. Okay. So her mom is also mad at her that she's dating someone. And, you know, she says, like, when she leaves, she can't believe that Tinsley hasn't attracted to a person living in London, which I'm not sure where she was going with that. And then she also says something like, whatever you do, don't get photographed with him. So Tinsley has very much... Like, she's moving on if she's dating people and has been photographed with other people. But her mom is really hoping that she'll, she won't do that because then she and Topper will reconcile. Yeah, I mean, I if I remember correctly, and I could be misremembering, but I feel like her mother to this day wanted her back. I mean, Topper's not remarried, but I, I feel like in Housewives, she frequently would say, like, you should have never left Topper. You should have stayed with Topper. I mean, that's been her mom's mantra from the jump. That's frustrating. Um, yeah, but I would think that most mothers, as much as she would love Topper, like a German prince would not have been a terrible rebound. Maybe we should calm down a little. <laughs> of all of all the people to date in a divorce, a prince is not a bad one. But he's uh, a foreigner. I guess so. Um, so then we find out that Paul's mother, he calls his mother to ask about the $50,000 and she agrees to $25,000. And she says, I'm going to get it wired today. No, she said she already wired it. Oh. Oh, so and I it wired was wired it today. today. So it was wired today. But here's the thing, that she is a dum-dum. Because if someone asks you for $50,000 for an apartment, you assume they need $50,000 for an apartment. So to say, 
I'm not going to give you $50,000, but I will give you half the money. What the fuck do you think they're going to do with it? It's not enough for the apartment. They're just going to fucking spend it, which is what he does. Right. I also feel like, I mean, I know that his mother said she was confident in his sobriety, which is lovely. But when you have, you know, a child who has struggled with sobriety several times and had several stints in rehab, I feel like a lump sum via wire transfer is a little scary. It's got a lot of possibilities that might not go well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then we see Tinsley and her posse in a limousine. Oh, and Paul, he goes nuts in this suite at the Royalton Hotel with personal shoppers. And then he even calls downstairs to have a bubble bath drawn for him, by the way. Okay, so I have a little bit of intel on this. Okay. So I was very curious. So I looked up the Royalton Hotel, which still exists. Yeah. And it's not that expensive. So they're... Their penthouses, I mean, I'm sorry, the suites start at, at today's prices, um, start at $5.50 and even the, a night. And the penthouse is even only $9.45 a night. So, yeah. I mean, if you got it for a night or two, I mean, and that was 12 years ago. So, I mean, he maybe blew a thousand bucks at most, which yeah. I mean, not great. I wouldn't want to do that. But I, I think the clothes probably ended up costing more. Than, and I'm also wondering... And the other thing, too, is I think he was in a smaller suite because they have the suites listed, the penthouse suites listed on the website, all of them. And the the $945 one had literally floor to not even floor to ceiling windows, but like the windows were the ceiling. Like it went all the way up and it was on the top floor. And when they knocked on his door, it was number 100. So I think he was on the first floor. So I don't even think the suite cost that much. No, no. And he's just, like, he's being super, super obnoxious. I mean, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Like, I, I, you need an attendant to come up and turn on the water and squirt bubble bath in there for you. Like, I can't with that. I just, oh, God. Um. So, anyway, like I said, we see Tinsley and her posse in a limo, and they are on their way to an AIDS benefit. And she says they're going to be auctioning off one of her bags. And then this is where Jules says that Paul stole from her. Oh, and Paul before this says that she broke him up with the the love of his life. Yeah. And then this is where Paul says that Jules was arrested in the Hamptons and burned her parents' house down and faked cancer because her parents cut her off and she needed the money. Now, spoiler alert. And calls her. Okay, you did. I mean, no deep dive Googling, but just Googled her name and none of these things came up. None of them. I Googled her name and cancer. Nothing came up. I Googled her name and house fire. Nothing came up. I Googled her name and arrest. Nothing came up. So she either got it scrubbed from the Internet, which can be done, or he's lying or a combination thereof. Okay. He calls her the queen of the dregs of society. Yeah. Um, she says that he is delusional. And then I believe he says die in a fire. And this is basically just like, they're not actually talking to each other, right? It's just like cutting back and forth between the mean things they said about the other. Yeah, they're not even in the same vicinity. Right. And then he calls her a beak-faced biatch. Yeah. Um, and then, so Jules is in the limo confiding in the girls about all this stuff with Paul. And she says, Tinsley wasn't even listening. 
And then she pivots and says, and Tinsley dresses like a teenager. And she calls her old. <laughs> okay. I mean, Tinsley does look quite a bit older than some of the ladies she keeps company with. She well, looks I think great. They're probably like, mid to late 20s. So she probably is, you know, yeah. five to 10 years older. Yeah. Um, and so then we're at the same location and Paul ignores Jules on purpose. And then she says that maybe he's an AIDS victim, implying that that's why he's at this AIDS benefit. Yes. She's she's really tough. She's very, very problematic. Yeah. And Dabney says she feels like she's in the middle. And then Jules says he's going to jail one day. Or suicide. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's really charming. Yeah. So then after the benefit, we go to Apotheke in Chinatown. Now, Paul is referring to this party as his after party. But didn't they all just choose to go to the same club after the benefit? I'm very confused because he does keep calling it his after party. He does say that he's been buying drinks for everyone. So maybe he assumes that because he walked in and said to the bartender, like, here's my card, drinks on me for everybody all night, that they then became, quote unquote, his party. Okay. Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It was confusing. It was. And this is where he meets Tommy, who is a very handsome model. Um, and this is where he says the goal in life, other than to be popular and cool, which, by the way, at the age that he's filming this, what the fuck does that even mean? That's so stupid. Um, but he wants to have a family. <laughs> so then Jules shows up with Tinsley and Dabney. And who approaches who first? She goes up to him and says, I heard you talking shit, right? I think so. I don't see him confronting her. I do. I mean, like, I don't remember. But based on their personalities, I feel like she probably went right up to him. And he says, why don't you go burn an down another country house? Oh, wait, you don't have one anymore. This is where she says, again, he's going to end up in jail or commit suicide. Yeah. And then Tinsley says, this is why I don't go out downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found very funny. Um, Paul says, I'm going to kick that bitch's ass. And then he throws his Jameson on the rocks, basically at this corner or like, I can't tell whether it's like. I think it was closet. the bathroom. It's the there hallway was a to the sink in there. Okay, so it's like an open like hallway to the bathroom, I guess. And he sees Jules and another woman standing there and chucks his drink at trying to hit Jules, but it hits Alex in the eye. Yeah. So she is screaming and says, It's not a joke. Like so loud, so loud. And then he feels bad for Alex. And he's like, Oh, well, I meant to hit you and points at Jules. Like, that's going to make it any better. So then Jules calls 911. And well, before that happened, actually, I'm forgetting, he was trying to get Jules thrown out of the bar. Remember, he kept saying, like, get her out, get her out. This is my party. Get her out. And okay. they wouldn't get her out. So I'm guessing okay. it was not his party. <laughs> right. That's yeah. okay. So she calls 911, and then he immediately gets in his limo 
and he sees the cops arrive. So I guess he like hides in his limo for a few minutes, but then he like sneaks out and then just hails a cab. Oh, it's actually a little worse than that. So he hops in the limo and tells the limo driver to hightail it. And the cops block the limo in so it can't leave. So they get out the other door. So like they got in the right door, they get out the left door and immediately hop into a cab and take off. So he like full on evaded the police. Okay, gotcha. And he sums it up as all in a day's work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this is where it comes full circle. And this is why I think the first shot of Tinsley crying on the bed was her old apartment. Because in the final scene of this first episode, we see her moving out of this old apartment. And she's finally going to get her furniture. And we see her talking outside with Topper, although his face is blurred. Um, And she she said like, it's sinking in, like we're really getting a divorce and she's very overcome with emotion. Um, and this is where she's lying on her bed with her green chucks sobbing. And then Dale says that she's making a terrible mistake in risking her reputation. Yep. And I believe that is Dale's stance to this very day. Yeah. And also like the ship has left the dock, Dale, like paperwork has been filed. Like if she backs off her divorce, is that suddenly going to make it better? Whatever. Yeah. So then we get some very scattered scenes from this season. I couldn't even write anything down. I didn't bother because there was so much happening so quickly. And I figured it's such a short show. I didn't want to like write down every dramatic thing that we're going to be watching for the next eight weeks. Right. It looks like a lot of yelling, a lot of drinking, you know, a lot of throwing things, you know, a lot of the same shenanigans that we saw in these 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, and I am looking forward to Jules being progressively more terrible. I hope she gets hit by a taxi at some point. Well, we'll have to buckle up for her. She's going to be a deuce. Well, her and him, her and Paul, I mean, they're both horrible people. I mean, she's worse because at least he's not a racist, but, like, they're terrible. Yeah, it's going to be brutal, but we'll see what we can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, All right, guys. Well, we're so happy to be back and we will talk to you in two weeks about some more high society. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymarebe at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe and have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.